Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. From making picture book dummies, to character design, to their submission-ready workshop. If you are interested in writing or drawing stories for children, there is a workshop waiting for you. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. I love that you and I have had this ongoing conversation... Um, over email. I love that I've had this chance to read your book. I already have a connection to Penny Candy that we've been um, connected for a couple years. There's a couple things like that that are just like, yeah, this is totally the right conversation to have. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like all the things that you might not have known that led into this were just like, yep, this is the right one. And I just kind of try to do my best to to listen to my gut and listen to my heart. And and, uh, I feel like I've been doing all right so far. No, I feel this absolutely the same way. Just just uh, the people you've had, the books you've celebrated, the way you talk to people, uh, what you stand for, the kind of work you do is something that I totally appreciate. And I'm in awe of, in fact. And, uh, and uh, I mean, thank God, uh, thank God. Thank goodness we have people like you, <laughs> and, uh, you know, with so much passion and honesty. And, uh, and I'm glad, I'm so, so glad our paths crossed. Thank you so much. Saying goodbye looks different to different people. Traditions differ around the world. How we mourn can have roots in our culture. But no matter the differences, we all say goodbye. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 514. Today I'm welcoming Mira Sriram to talk about her debut picture book, The Yellow Suitcase. In Mira's debut, we meet Asha, who's traveling to India, as she does with her family each year, to visit her grandmother. But this year, they travel to mourn. Asha always brings a yellow suitcase, which her grandmother fills with treats and trinkets to bring home. The suitcase in this way becomes a character in the story as well, waiting to be filled, expectant, but empty. This story is about processing loss, and I think that readers will leave grateful to have walked alongside Asha through her grieving. Please welcome my guest, Mira Sriram, author of The Yellow Suitcase. Hi, my name is Mira Sriram. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a children's writer, um, an early literacy instructor and a huge advocate for reading diverse books. Um, I was born and raised in India, and I currently live with my husband and two kids in Berkeley, California. 
The Yellow Suitcase is my debut picture book in the US, and it came out in March 2019. Yay! I'm so glad. Wow, all of these things, I'm like, well, there's all the things we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Just making note of the storied life you've lived already, Mira. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Hey, congratulations. Absolutely. Congratulations on your U.S. debut. I think that a number of us online I, I've seen talking about the yellow suitcase and, and how beautiful it is. And I've seen it appear on a couple of book lists too as well. So I, already just the fact that you have a book out in the universe that people are just, you know, it's sort of finding a life of its own is is the magic of children's literature. So I'm glad that you're experiencing that um, with this with this U.S. release. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, yes, it's been a wonderful journey. It's really a dream come true. And I'm so grateful for um, so many people who have journeyed with me. And uh, I feel really, really uh, uh, blessed. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, so why don't we... Take a moment just to introduce the yellow suitcase and, and Asha's story in particular. Do you mind sharing for those that haven't encountered this book yet, um, just a little bit about what the book is about? Sure. Um, the yellow suitcase is a story about a little girl um, who's living in California and she visits her grandmother in India every summer carrying her yellow suitcase um, full of uh, gifts for grandma and bringing back gifts from India. Uh, but this time she is taking the trip with her family to India because her grandmother has just passed away and she's there attending the funeral. Um, so most of the narrative is about uh, how she processes the loss, how she grieves and her emotional arc until she sort of uh, comes to accept the reality and uh, she finds comfort in a surprise gift that helps her to cope and move on. I really valued the arc that Asha went through, but especially when we hit this point, well, I should say first, uh, the voice that you take in the story of, of Asha sort of wrestling with, is this real? Is this really happening? Stepping foot into her grandmother's house and, and seeing everything and having these reminders that that this is the new reality, but, but also struggling with what it means to not have this individual in her life anymore. And, mo and for me, a really pivotal point too, was seeing her father grieve, seeing adults in her life grieve. There were a lot of really personal moments that I feel like you gave us in the story, Mira, that allowed us to just stop and and be still with Asha. And, and I really appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're right. This is, this is a child struggling to process this, uh, the, the big moments of uh, sadness and grief and anger. Uh, and, they all and all these emotions are coming at her uh, with this big news. And I think we, when we think about children, we very often think of uh, emotions being black and white, like either happy or sad. But I, I believe that uh, kids are just like adults and they go through like a whole range of emotions, right? When, when we talk about ourselves, we say, um, 
we find ourselves saying, oh, I'm not sure how I feel, or I have these mixed feelings about it. But uh, I'm sure kids go through the same stuff. Uh, so it's not necessarily just like happy or sad, but going through denial, not being able to believe that grandma is not going to be in that house. Because for Asha, who is uh, who has been traveling every summer to uh, to another country that she's not very familiar with, I think for her, uh, the country, that home, that second home meant grandma. Uh, and that house without grandma is just such a huge shock to her. And she's almost trying to uh, not believe it. She's denying it in the beginning. And then it turns to anger and then later guilt. And like you, like you rightly pointed out, she's probably seeing her father like cry like a child for the first time and and this is just a lot for her to process and uh, just as we do uh, it's going to take her a long time and and a lot of uh, uh, feelings just come at her uh, throughout the story and the story also takes place over a period of time it's not as if it's just a single day uh, I in in the moment where we see dad crying it reads uh, will I ever see her again? Asha asked. Dad sank into a chair, saying nothing, and Asha saw him cry for the first time. For the next several days, Mom and Dad mourned Grandma's passing with prayers and offerings. The relatives joined them. And I, I like in the illustration, too, that Miraseti has just these moments captured in tears uh, covering the page. Uh, I'm so, so uh, surprised and glad that you picked that page because that's my most favorite spread. Uh, just the teardrops with all those memories. It, it, it's, it's such really a very powerful portrayal because I, because I think that kind of communicates how, uh, how, what fills our minds when we think about someone right? Like all these memories, it's like a flashback. Uh, and that's probably what Asha and her dad are going through in their own ways. And, um, and about the, the more, um, uh, the passage of time that you mentioned, I think that's one of those uh, cultural details that are being, um, that are coming out through the story. Uh, because, uh, like in the US, uh, my family is used to uh, attending uh, you know, memorial services or funerals, uh, uh, which are not as long as uh, what typically uh, a family in India would be doing. So it, I think through this, uh, it's like opening a window into another dimension of culture of how um, how typically the mourning happens in the household, uh, how there are rites and rituals that happen for like about 15 days to like you know, a month even sometimes. So I think um, through the story, all these details are kind of like sprinkled along the narrative to uh, kind of uh, let the reader give more insight into the culture of India itself. I thought for me, one of the most powerful moments, those teardrops were something special, but also when, you know, you mentioned that, that Asha brings this yellow suitcase Every year, every time she brings it with things from her home to give to grandma and then grandmother gives her things to bring back. And when 
there's a beginning scene where we're sort of talking about all of the different things that are in this suitcase. But to give Asha a moment later where the suitcase is just empty and for us to sit there and realize that there's there's nothing to fill it with or no one to fill it, I should say, that this is what Asha is. This is the reality that Asha is facing, that this individual in her life that always exchanged these gifts and this this love and this this way of communicating uh, is is not there any longer. Um, I think that in that moment, I saw the suitcase as a completely different thing, uh-huh. uh, as something that not only was drawing her in the beginning, drawing her close to her grandmother, but perhaps in in this moment was a a bit of a painful reminder mm-hmm. of her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, how else to react than out of anger and out of confusion? And I'm these beats here. I'm so grateful for for each of these beats that you've given the story. Uh- uh, you have said it very beautifully. Uh, yes, the the suitcase is sort of like uh, traveling this uh, journey with her, and it's kind of like a metaphor to what she's going through. And just like you said, it's filled with all these wonderful, happy, precious memories, and now it lies there completely empty, sort of reflecting how Asha feels then. She feels empty. She feels lost. Um, she feels drained out. Uh, she's confused and and she's almost like she has nothing to give back uh, and that's how I mean that that that's I think what the suitcase the empty suitcase is trying to um, tell us tell the reader uh, uh, I, I think it's sort of like I said a metaphor to what she's going through uh, and and that's why we have the suitcase pretty much on every spread like from yes. in the beginning till the end until it's like closed with something really beautiful and it's comfortable and Asha is like hugging it. And then she goes back to California. Something that I felt also in the color story of the book that, that, um, that Mira, we have two Miras. I think we were just meant to collaborate. We were just meant to do it together. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Oh, I was waiting for you to say, I only work with Miras. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my contract. <laughs> oh, wow. but, no, I, I was but, very surprised when I was uh, first introduced to her and, and we, we, we instantly connected and she connected and identified with the story. And I remember in the very, um, uh, uh, initial emails i would write like mira the writer mira the illustrator because i can draw in my <laughs> life <laughs> and then we kind of established the rhythm and like which mira is talking and which mira is emailing and all of that yeah well where i was going to lead with that is to say that in the color story that mira empl- uh, employs in the in the in throughout this book i found it so powerful to realize that the blue was really the 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 moment the reminder always of 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 really the color draining out of asha we see when she walks into the grandmother's home um we were faced with this this giant blue circle at the you know at the um door mm-hmm. um and as she's crying those tears we see blue and as mm-hmm. she I was really sort of retreating to her bed. She has this great line you gave her saying, 
maybe we should have been here earlier to save grandma. Uh, and mother says, but that wouldn't have changed anything, dear. But likewise, here we have blue, just like water, and uh, that the blanket pulled up over Miro, she, or Asha, and she's in her bed. This blanket just turns into a sea, overwhelming her. And I just thought all of those intentional choices in, in how the art is, is, is carrying the story as well, mm-hmm. uh, really, really broke those moments for me because we're full of color. Asha is clearly this girl who loves patterns and yes. prints <laughs> yes. and amazing socks <laughs> and these things. And to, see, yeah. 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 and to see this girl <laughs> yeah. just awash in an ocean of blue is... Uh, it brought me there with her. I, it was very effective. I, I love that you noticed all of these that are so close to my heart. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast, and now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the offer code READINGISRAD. That's Barat Babies, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S dot com. Offer code reading is rad. You're absolutely right. The artist Mira has done uh, an amazing job. And I think it's just not in her... Um, just not about her style and the choice of colors, but also the, the, the kind of details that she's incorporated. The, the, it's almost like the art has a soul in it, right? With all those teardrops and the blueness all over. And yet it's so bright and bold and colorful. And I thought it was the perfect uh, uh, way to balance a, a rather quieter story a little bit more heavier theme and and I thought the 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 colors that pop out kind of like counterbalance the whole uh, mood of the story and uh, so many details the both quirky and fun and at the same time uh, important culturally and and like you mentioned the 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 blue uh, shades that she's incorporated uh it's just, it, I think they all came together so well, um, particularly for this story, which has like an emotional arc. So the 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 the, the emotion, be it anger or guilt or sadness, it's all changing. It's all so dynamic, and her and and her art seemed to have that same quality of uh, of being strong and bold, and yet keeping the details and the the quirkiness intact. So I'm yeah. so glad you picked up on all of those things. There's this other part of the design that I want to talk about before we get, before we walk the book back and talk about your inspiration and your author's note and all that. Sure. There's one part of the design that I cannot shake, which is that the typography, the uh, or the typeface choices on the cover um, to have on the title, the yellow suitcase to have the uh-huh. italicized. So it's really pointing out an individual suitcase. This is the yes. yellow suitcase. Oh. I just found, I've just never seen any sort of like denotation like that in a title. And it really was something that I 
could not look away from. I really, I know that it was intentional, but it, it also really like stuck with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, I, I, I sort of knew it was intentional, but uh, I think this is, this is, this is making me so happy to hear someone actually be, um, be, uh, uh, you know, connecting with it or to see its effect on someone, it makes me uh, really happy to see that because I knew it was it was done for a certain reason. But to hear you say that you it kind of you know it kind of um, made an impact on you is uh, is really wonderful. I want to walk back again. How first off, I am so impressed that your debut story. It, like in the US breaks the mold of, you know, they always say like, you can't debut with a quiet book. It has to be something that shares who knows what, all the things that they say at the conferences and the articles and the blogs that they all say, like there's always a counterexample to every, to every rule. And here you are stepping out onto uh, the scene with this quiet, reflective, challenging uh picture book really of disarming story and um i know that there's a story behind it do you mind sharing uh where the inspiration for the yellow suitcase came oh um i'm happy to share it and uh thank you for saying that uh um i know what you mean we are always told like you know quiet stories are harder to sell uh but i think uh, at the end of the day it is believing in the the importance and relevance of your story, you know, and just and just saying the story that you want to tell with uh, with honesty and sincerity, and I think uh, and I'm sure it'll always find the right home. And for me, um, my editors Chad Reynolds and Alexis Orgera connected with it, and they saw the value in the story, and they were appreciative of it. And um, I'm really grateful that they um, chose to publish it. Uh, as for my uh, inspiration, um, I guess when I started writing, um, I wanted to, uh, just from all the books that I had read over the years, I was always inclined to write on themes and people that were not very commonly visible in children's books. And uh, and this particular uh experience in my family, I think it happened uh, in the spring of 2010. And, uh, and my husband had just lost his uh, father in India. And we got the call that we had always dreaded. And, um, and we were a complete mess for a couple of days, we had to book our tickets. Uh, my kids were really young, then they were probably five and three, I guess, yeah, or six and two yeah and um and uh, we had to get on a plane uh in within 24 hours and we flew to india it was such a long journey which obviously seemed longer than our usual trips and um we were there for a couple of weeks uh and my kids are raised bicultural and uh, they were completely confused with everything that was going on it was so much to take on they were overwhelmed and um and somehow this experience had uh, stuck with me. Uh, it was always, uh, uh, you know, in, inside me uh, to, to, to like, and I, it was almost like bursting to come out at some point. And because I had always tried to write on themes and, um, 
and stories that would prompt conversations in families. Uh, this was one of the uh, very first stories that I chose to write. Um, and I knew that that even though death as such is something that we all hesitate to talk about, I wanted the story and the book to be used as a tool to have conversation with kids in classrooms and in families so we could actually know what's going on going on in their minds, you know, so we can actually help them better, right? Like once you know what, what opinions they have, what thoughts they have, then I believe that we can have a healthy conversation, a meaningful conversation that will actually help them help another friend who's going through loss or maybe help them in their own experiences. So I think, uh, I think that oh I was oh I was just going to say that we have a lot of stigma around talking about death and providing a tool to help children understand those emotions and see themselves in going through that and see adults in going through mm-hmm. um losing a loved mm-hmm. one uh it's it's important that we that we offer those opportunities for children to to understand and you know children even children who have not lost anyone in their life yet um can still hold the fear of what it would mean to lose someone and so i'm um, having books help to show the way or to show a way i i think is is important but also it's it's more so important that you the author gets it right and takes takes the time and and um, the space needed to to tell the right to tell the story the right way to to save space for that child, and you do, Mira. You 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 save space for the child. It feels very much like like you were writing the book that you wanted for your children, and and in that way, you ended up serving everyone's children. Uh, thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, we I, I often come across this thing that if you if you don't find the book on a sh- that you want to read, then you have to write it yourself, right? It's sort of, right. It's, it sort of goes back to that. So I do believe in the importance of like having all these themes in books. I mean, that we, we see around us, be it like terminal illness or divorce or poverty or homelessness. I mean, children are part of this, right? And they are central to this. And it is important that we provide the right tools for them to navigate it because it's hard for them as much as it is hard for us adults. And uh, by having these conversations and these books and stories as tools, I think we can definitely help each other. And and like you said, uh, this story is not necessarily for someone who has lost uh, a loved one where kids meet uh you know other people who have gone through losses maybe another kid you know on the playground is talking about uh you know losing a pet maybe and then it just gets easier for them to understand you know what the uh what the other person is going through and uh it doesn't have to be awkward right like you now know why a person is behaving a certain way because of something that has happened in their lives and um, and I think stories are so powerful and so influential, and we can use these stories to learn to respond and to react to situations that we come across in our everyday lives. Yes. How did this story come to Penny Candy Books? What was your your process of 
of submitting it to publishers or of trying to find who you thought might be the right publisher to care for this story? Um, let me think back to uh, two years ago. Yeah, I think I um, I was very selective in um, in uh, choosing uh, the the you know choosing publishers where uh, in submitting to publishers, and I had a very small list, and I had read Penny Candy's mission, and um, and I instantly connected with them because their philosophy and their mission and everything that they stand for spoke to me. It was, it was honest and authentic. And I, I knew that, that if they were to pick it up, then it would be perfect for uh, my story. And uh, I queried and uh, I heard back from them. um, I believe in 2017, in the summer of 2017. And, um, and uh, I think from then on, it's just been so wonderful working with them. It's like we understand each other so well. We stand for the same things and we strive for the same kind of change uh, insurance literature. So um, it's been wonderful working with them. I'm glad you found that, Mira. I think that that's a really special thing to find a publisher that you feel like has the same goals that you do uh, with you know, the, the arc of your career as a children's author, uh, aligning with the arc of them as a children's book publisher. That's really wonderful. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Thank you. So the, the debut you have here with the yellow suitcase, uh, is out. It's starting to reach children. It's starting to reach libraries. It's starting to do that work. What, what are you working on next? Do you, I feel like I can sense in you this, this drive to write stories for children that, that maybe are not the typical stories that are reaching children that you really want to help be an ally for them in that way. Uh, you are correct. Uh, I hope so. I'd like to believe so. <laughs> well, we all do, don't we? We all hope. <laughs> uh, uh, I do have something on the way, but unfortunately, I can't talk about it now. Hopefully soon, uh, I will be able to make the announcement. Um, it's just good to know that you're writing, to be to be uh, frank. Uh, uh, I, I am writing other stories. Uh, I, I'm very passionate about what I write. and. Uh, uh, and hopefully they'll all, uh, you know, be out there in the world someday. Uh, some of them are out in submission, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, uh, it, I am very passionate about what I do and the kind of stories that I want to put out. Uh, it is sometimes harder uh, because they are they might not fit the uh, expectations of like the mainstream uh, in. The, I mean, the standards of the uh, mainstream publishing industry, but, uh, but uh, I, I just keep believing in what I do and uh, hopefully, um, you know, <laughs> they'll be out. It sounds like you have a, you have a really good guiding light. It sounds to me like you're doing the right thing. <laughs> we all could learn a note from you. Oh, like I said, um, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like everyone says patience yeah. and perseverance. Uh, I think if yeah. you're an author, uh, you have to be thick skinned. You have to keep at it. And, uh, and one day that you look back and you'll, you'll, you'll find it all worth it. So. Well, thank you for keeping at it, Mira. And thank you for sharing 
your work with us. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. So before we go, we're talking about our readers a little bit. I want to make sure we have a chance to give you the opportunity to speak directly to them. Um, so I'd like to end this way, Mira. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Uh, of course, yeah. Um, my message to the kids is that um, books are like bridges and uh, they often connect us to people uh, different from us. They take us to places far from where we live. And they also take us into experiences uh, that we've never experienced before. Uh, and what these bridges do is that they help us understand each other. And when we understand each other, then the world just becomes a much happier place. So I think that all of us should make it a point to also um, read books that have characters and settings and experiences uh, different from our own. So that would be my message for the kids. Hi there, this is Haley Barrett, author of Baby Moon, What Miss Mitchell Saw, and Girl vs. Squirrel. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. 
So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.